Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast, you guys. I'm so excited you are here today. I have a very special guest with me, so I'm going to let her introduce herself, but today we are talking all about sleep. So if you are a mama, you know what? Just if you're a mama, you don't even have to really struggle with sleep, but this episode is going to be really helpful for you. I can't wait to bring you more information on this. I know I could use some too. So Ashley, could you take a second and introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them what you do, who you are, all of the things. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Ashley Olson, not like the Olson twins, but I get that a lot. <laughs> um, That's I so am, funny. I yes. didn't even realize that. Is that Anytime funny? I hand over a credit card. Um, <laughs> like, but I think they're a little less relevant. You know, maybe I'm showing my age now. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm a mom of three, almost four. I'm, I have a a newborn in August. So I'll be starting over. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I own Heaven Sent Sleep. Um, I've been in the business for about four years now. Um, I have a background in physical therapy, but um, ended up leaving the hospital kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. And my business just really grew from there, um, but really started when I had my first child who just did not sleep. And I was so naive about baby sleep. Um, as an Enneagram five, like I'm a serial researcher. And for whatever reason, I just, you know, I researched birth and breastfeeding and all these things. And just sleep was not on my radar. And I have no idea why. But then when, you know, I reached my breaking point of sleep deprivation with him, my husband was like, something has to change. Like we aren't going to yeah. survive this. And, um, so we got through all of that stuff. And before I had my second child, I was like, we, we can't do this again that way. Like I can't survive with work and another child and then having one that doesn't sleep. So I really immersed myself in the baby sleep world at that point. Um, and as you know, baby sleep is heated and it can be scary online. And so I really kind of dragged my feet on even starting my business because I just, what are people going to think? And how do I do this in a way that, you know, I don't have to <laughs> deal with a bunch of hate, I guess, you know, yeah. and it, yeah. it's just, it's just scary sometimes, especially if you're not used to being online yeah. and having a presence, all those things. And so I finally just, God opened a lot of doors and I took a leap of faith and it's been the biggest blessing. Um, all the good has always outweighed the bad. And so I'm just happy that I get to be here and change one family's life at a time. Oh, I love that so much. I absolutely love following you. You are so filled with grace and understanding and flexibility and everyone's different and every kid's different. And we're going to find what works best for you. What feels good to both mom and baby um, or child. And I love that. I mean, that's my approach too. It's the same, right? There are, there are guidelines. There are things that the research says, but I always say, Hey, you get to like, hold that and see it, hold it up to your own light and see if that actually rings true for you and your family, your kid. Like we each have very unique jobs. 
children who might really resonate with very different things and that's okay. So yes, the research might show something, but you might have the kid that no, that actually works the opposite for them or whatever. So I really love that about you. And I mean, that's really interesting. You talk about that. I was literally just talking with a friend who I was trying to explain what it's like being on the internet because <laughs> I too did not expect it. And I, I went into it a little naive being like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get any hate. Like who's going to hate picky eating? Right. Not me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who's going to hate that I'm a Christian? Well, let me tell you, but mm-hmm. literally I was explaining it. And I said, the biggest problem that I have is going into a DM it's like you're opening a door and you don't know if you're walking in and they are armed with knives and they're about to fight you or if they are literally about to throw you a freaking ticker tape parade and say that you changed their life. It is the furthest extreme. And so every time I click on a DM, I'm like, I don't know about this one. I had one came in that literally, cause you can see like the first few words, yep. you know, and she started out with like, let me tell you something or something like that. And I was like, Oh God, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> and then she down. went on to tell me like all these beautiful things that have changed about her life. And I think I like, I think I left it in there for like three or four days. I felt so bad. Cause I was like, I'm not going to open that one. <laughs> it feels yes. scary. Yes, Cause it can be unknown. really stressful. Yeah. yeah. The unknown. And you're just, you know, when you're coming from a good place, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's just, it's just impossible to I always say there's like this struggle between what you're saying and how people are interpreting it. Yes. And yes. so you like, you just have to have so much awareness yeah. about everything that you say. <laughs> yeah. Or you just have to burn it all down and not care at all, which you and I do not follow that <laughs> for the most part. It's like, I really want to be cautious of what people are bringing into the conversation. I don't know what history they have with food or, you know, with you with sleep or their children or whatever that might be. You don't know what kind of experiences everyone has had. And so you're trying to be respectful, but at the same time, you can't please seven. I mean, I have 77,000 followers. It's like, I can't, I can't even. And then my stuff reaches even more. It's like half a million sometimes. I'm like, yeah, this isn't, I'm never going to get this perfect. And that is part of it, (laughs) you know, letting that go has just been so freeing, right? (laughs) Yes. And this is something, so Ashley and I have DM'd quite a bit about some of the heat that I've just seen from the outside around sleep. And I mean, nutrition gets plenty, but I feel like even, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't feel this way, but I feel like sleep gets it way worse. Like all the sleep consultants, like someone's always hating on someone all the time. This is like the other part of Instagram that I did not expect the drama. And I didn't realize how small the world was. Like all of a sudden I was like, Oh, everyone knows everyone. And everyone knows when there's drama going down. And I'm just over here, like, I'm just trying to help one mom at a time. I'm just trying to do one thing. I know. And it's so hard for me because I have never Mm -hmm. been a person who subscribes to like one extreme or another. I'm always like you can ask my husband, like I, when we talk about things, I'm always like, what about this side of it? What about this side of it? And what's in the middle? How can we compromise? What's the gray? Where's the balance? And so for me being on the internet, I'm like, I don't subscribe to enough extremes for people to like, uh, I I don't know, understand, or I don't, I don't know. It's tough to identify with too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't post enough dramatic things sometimes. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I know we're kind of getting off topic here about like Instagram world, but it is like it, when you polarizing content does well, 
Yes. Whenever, when you make a very strong statement, this, that, or the other way, extreme in one way or the other, that does really well on the internet. So I agree. I am not that way either. Even like my assistant was like, you have to be more strong. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. It's <laughs> just not, it's just not it what may I'm not about. You. Exactly. It's not so, authentic. But I mean, exactly the reason why you're here and why I want to have this conversation with you is I love that approach because I think that's real, right? Like that's the daily stuff that moms actually need help with. And I don't think that gets enough like clout or attention mm-hmm. because it's not viral. Sensational. It's not <laughs> sensational. Exactly. So, okay, let's get into it. What are, what are some of your core beliefs or philosophies around sleep? And then we'll get into a little bit more of the practical stuff. My biggest thing is I want parents to have less anxiety mm. about their child's sleep. I want to Amen. take all the shoulds all out of it. Like you, you should do this. So you have to do it this way. Like I want people to have options. I want them to feel like they're not stuck between this rock and a hard place, you know? And so it's so important for me to always like, if this works for you, do it. Like, Mm -hmm. don't fix it if it's not broken. And I am never going to tell somebody that they have to change something just for the sake of changing it. Like, Mm -hmm. that is my my biggest thing. And I, you know, I find more just for something very specific wake times. Wake Mm, times are a big source of anxiety for parents. And I think that they are a super helpful, useful tool. I use them, but I tell them all the time that there is no evidence-based source that one wake time is going to work for every child. Yeah, And so you see all these different charts online and they're all slightly different. I mean, they, they come from people who have a bias and they're basing it on experience and, and all these things and, and they work, but they might not work for your child. And so that, you know, I want people to use them as a guide, as a starting point, but not as a Bible. And mm-hmm. that's really where I find parents get caught up in things like that specifically is that they just take it at that face value and try to force their child into something that may not work for them. And that could make their sleep worse. And then they're just like, well, that didn't work for my kids. So now what, you know? And, and so that's really something that I try to educate a lot on is it's not going to be perfect. It's not, we can't give thousands of people advice and it work for every single one of them. And that's where wake times fall on that spectrum. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, cause it really is true where it's like, okay, here's the starting point. Here's what the research says. Here's what my experience as an expert has shown me. However, the, it's not a bullseye, right? It's like yep. a cloud. I don't know what, how to describe <laughs> it, but you're just really aiming for this and there's margin all over the place Absolutely. and there needs to be some flexibility. So I love that so much. So, okay, let's get into some of the practicalities. So mom's listening right now. She can't sleep. She's like, my baby's not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. I'm miserable. Where do you typically tell them to start? It, sleep hygiene is always a great place to start. Like, and for both mom and baby, cause I always mm. tell people like, especially with newborns, you're more in control of your sleep habits than theirs. And As so I if you're not... I drink my iced coffee at 5.30. It's <laughs> really good sleep hygiene, you guys. Right? De- half-calf or something, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was... There's a lot of things that are in our control, but a lot of things that are outside of our control. And so focusing on the things that we have the control over, um, knowing that we're doing the best with what we have is where we have to start. And so you know, moms having a routine for yourself, um, before bed, 
all those sleep hygiene things, setting up your sleep environment, turning off your phone, turning off the TV. You know, I don't do it perfectly, but like, you know, I think it's supposed to be like an hour or two hours before bed. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening over here. But, you know, 15 to 30 minutes before bed, I'm washing my face. I'm taking my vitamins. You know, I'm, I'm doing two or three things that tells my body it's time for bed. Mm-hmm. And whether I'm going to get up all night or not, I still have that core part of my routine in place. And the same thing goes for your baby. <clears throat> Having a bedtime routine in place, setting up their sleep environment to be as conducive to sleep as possible. Those things go a long way in helping both you and your baby sleep. Mama, I see you. You're tired of making different meals and crossing your fingers that tonight might be the night where they actually try those veggies. You're so tired of putting things on the plate just to watch them not get touched. Maybe you're even feeling stuck in a never-ending cycle of bribing, begging, bargaining to get your little one to eat. Maybe you feel like they wouldn't eat anything unless you count down their bites or even feed it to them. I bet you're even worried that they're just not getting enough and certainly not enough of the things that you know that they need. You're not sure that they're reaching their full potential living off pizza and goldfish crumbs. You're ready for a change or else you might just throw in the towel altogether. Maybe you're feeling like you're at your wit's end with picky eating and feeling like nothing will work. You need a plan to finally beat picky eating and get back to enjoying meals again. If this sounds anything like you, then this program was literally made for you. Table Talk is the picky eating program that works. It's the program that teaches you to be your own feeding expert because at the end of the day, you know your child best. And feeding kids shouldn't be this hard. Picky eating can take over your life feeling like every meal is worse than the last. It's time to reclaim your kitchen and ask actually start enjoying meals together. Table Talk is a targeted program that teaches you the strategies and methods that kick picky eating to the curb for good. Take it from Lola, who's a mom of a little one who she was ready just to throw in the towel altogether about picky eating, but then she took Table Talk and at the end she said, "Since taking Table Talk, my daughter's foods, likes and loves is over 100." Can you imagine what it would be like for your little one to like or love over 100 foods? Throughout the Table Talk program, you'll learn how to get them to eat more variety and new foods, make sure that they're eating the right amount, and finally have peaceful meals again as a family. You'll learn how to stop pressuring them to eat and what to do to encourage them without pressuring. Plus, you will feel confident at the table knowing that everything you're doing is leading to raising a healthy, happy, and independent eater. All right, you can click the link in the description box below to enroll in Table Talk today. And when you do that, you will also get my Demystifying Desserts mini course completely for free. This course teaches you how to take desserts off the pedestal and put them back where they belong and end the obsession with sugar. All right, click the link in the description box below to get started today. I love that so much. And truly, I notice a huge, huge difference when I follow my kind of more sleep routine, which I'm trying to actually build out and just be a little bit more robust mm-hmm. um, and just intentional, right? Like I just, for so long, it was just not intentional for me. Yep. And so it's just like, oh, I'm going to go fall asleep, right? I was like, no, I want to build. And it feels so nice to actually have that. And so you can only imagine what that feels like 
for your child, right? Um, so let's get into a little of like kind of the hotter topics a little bit and see your opinion on them, at least from the outside. So I did want to preface this as part of this episode. I am in no way, shape or form a sleep expert. My opinions are I don't even know if I'd call them opinions. It's just what's worked for my family. Right. Luckily, I have been very blessed with children who do come out and just seem to sleep quite well. Until yes, exactly. Knocking what I am currently halfway through another pregnancy. So we (laughs) shall see. I might be knocking on your door. But I will say until we start moving them out of the crib. And then at like two and a half, three years old that's when we start having like major issues, like staying in the room, asking for a th- thousand things, you know, that whole routine with parenting. So, which is, I feel like, I mean, it still is about sleep, but even more so about like parenting, boundaries, set boundaries discipline, right. <laughs> having natural consequences, all the things. So let's go back to maybe those early years of baby sleep. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I feel like blackout curtains or like mm-hmm. black, like blacking out the room is like controversial sometimes. Like, where do you stand on that? Oh, well, sleep science, if we're going to the root of it, like that's how you trigger melatonin in your body. Mm -hmm. It has to be dark. Um, When do you wake up? When you're exposed to light, right? And so Mm -hmm. the light is telling your body to make awake hormones and not make sleep hormones. Um, So, and I know it's controversial because people want their babies to sleep anywhere, everywhere, (laughs) and not have to black out every space. And I can tell you that if your baby does not need blackout to sleep, if they just pass out in the stroller midday, no big deal, that is more their temperament than the fact that they did or did not have blackout, Makes you know, sense. as a baby. So you're not training yeah. them to only be able to sleep mm. in a blacked out room. Um my husband is, he's a firefighter. He could fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Doesn't matter where he is, what he's doing mid meal. You tell him to go to sleep. He'll go to sleep. Yep. I am not that way. Like I need the perfect conditions and it yeah. has nothing to do with how we were raised or <laughs> right. what our nurseries looks like and everything to do with our personality and our temperament. Yeah. Okay. Really good answer because I do feel like that one to me has always kind of stuck out because my kids are not sleep anywhere kids, at least again, so far, but they are like, they'll go to sleep at night. Although, well, I will say my son now doesn't, he stays up to like freaking midnight drives me nuts, (laughs) but I always blacked out their lights and everything. Cause I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this makes sense. Cause this is how I would want to sleep, you know? And Mm -hmm. if anything, it's a small nightlight like a salt lamp or whatever. So that makes total sense. Um, The other one is a sound machine. I feel like I went round and round with friends of mine who we are all pregnant at the same time. I'm not going to use a sound machine. I want to use a sound machine. I use a sound machine, like all these different things. Right. And I feel like I kind of probably already know your answer. It's probably very similar, right? It's like, if what it, whatever works for you, of course, but it's probably people trying to be resistant because they want their kids to fall asleep anywhere. (laughs) Sleep science again. Yes. White noise is, only beneficial to sleep. Um, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. there's nothing negative to using it. So, um, the benefits are that it can decrease the amount of time it takes you to fall asleep. It can decrease how long it takes you to transition sleep cycles. Um, Mm -hmm. and it can improve your quality of sleep overall. Um, and I mean, when we look at studies for like people who are older, like in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they have less diabetes, less risk of heart disease because they're getting better quality sleep. And the resistance with white noise is, uh, 
yet having to travel with it, which I'm like, mm-hmm. I've got the smallest little travel sound machine, the little right. engine that could like it. <laughs> is amazing um it is no big deal for me to pack that baby up so that we all get good sleep on our vacation um the biggest thing is our brains are always working even while we're asleep and so if our environment changes like white noise keeps it constant keeps Mm -hmm. it consistent and so any sudden noise dog barking car driving by horn honking like trains all those things our brain is going to pick up on that And then you get those frequent wake-ups, you know, and, and then you go back to being in the womb. Like when Mm. you hear your baby's heartbeat, like an ultrasound, or you hear an ultrasound, like you hear that loud sound. It is very Mm -hmm. loud in there. Your decibel level of your womb is like 80. And when we're having a conversation, we're looking at like 60 decibels. Okay. So they are used to very loud sound and it's a constant sound. And so whenever a newborn comes into the world and it's like quiet or varying sounds, that can be disorienting. And then you've got a fussy baby and turning on white noise can be magic for really fussy, cranky babies. I have to say I got hooked on white noise for myself for all the reasons you just mentioned until, until I had my first, my firstborn, my son, and we had a monitor And I literally would listen to his white noise through the monitor. (laughs) And then I was like, I think I need my own white noise. Yes. And now I sleep. Okay. This is not an ad, but oh my gosh, the hatch sleep adult (laughs) restore, like freaking night clock or whatever is, I I think I would bring that. If I was on a desert island and you told me I could only take three things, that would be one of the things. That would be one of them. Yes. I freaking love that thing. I slept with a fan growing up. Um, Oh, yeah. We're in Texas. And so like (laughs) you need all the circulation you can get. Uh And so sleeping with a box fan has been like my entire life. And I want, it keeps me cool, which is good for sleep. I've got the noise from it. Uh, I turned my husband into an addict. Like he takes, (laughs) he takes a fan and a white noise machine to the station with him because the guys snore. So I couldn't imagine. Right. Or they have a CPAP, which is (laughs) loud. (laughs) And so (laughs) welcome to the station. There's the wide age of, you know, people there. Um, But yeah, there's just, use it or not, that's fine. But like, there's nothing wrong with using it if you choose to. Oh, I love that so much. So, okay. We're speaking in generalities now, right? Mm -hmm. So this Mm -hmm. is of course not perfect for every baby, all the things, but generally speaking, what do you see age-wise, how many naps they're taking, how many hours of sleep they need? Um, Maybe like, do you know, through like age three or four or whatever kind of, yeah guidelines you have again I know nothing so yeah yeah no newborns are gonna be uh there's no there's nothing for newborns like it's the wild west Uh um same with food truly yeah you they could have seven naps a day you know their their naps range from 20 minute micro naps to two hour Mm -hmm. you know contact naps and so really your goal with newborns is watching those sleep cues, making sure they're not getting too overtired, setting up, you know, their routines and just kind of establishing like a general series or flow of events with feedings and diaper changes and all that fun stuff. Um, And so then as their sleep starts to mature around that three or four month mark, their day sleep will generally consolidate into three or four naps a day. Um, Typically you hang on to those three naps until the six to nine month range. I always say kids who need less sleep or who are on the lower sleep needs spectrum tend to drop naps sooner than those who need more sleep. Um, so if you see a younger age range that are dropping naps, they may be on that 
that low end range. Um, and then typically around average 12 to 18 months, there's a very big range. They will drop to one nap a day. Um, and then they'll hang on to that one nap anywhere from two, two and a half to maybe even up to five. Um, you know, we'll see some kids go into kindergarten who are still hanging on to that daily nap and, you know, they come home and they're exhausted and they crash on the couch for 30 minutes after school. Um, so, you know, it's not totally uncommon, but also, you know, for a two and a half year old to just up and decide one day they're done with naps. Um, <laughs> crazy people. And then I it comes know. back when you're an adult. You're like, yes. give me back those naps. I did not take enough naps as a kid. <laughs> Man, all those missed opportunities. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> All right. So I've got a few burning questions in my brain that I feel like I can hear my listeners asking. So number one, what do I do when they refuse naps, but I want them to keep napping? Or even if maybe it's not me, but they need to keep napping. Like they are a terror. Mm -hmm. They miss their nap. And yeah, they've decided they're skipping it. But now they're horrible for the next three hours until bedtime or whatever. What do you recommend in those situations? If if you're in that phase of like, they need the nap, but they're not taking the nap. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really common in that two and a half to five age range where sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I know. And, and so really, I think quiet time is so beneficial for them to yeah. have that downtime, that reset time. I need that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really kind of like a pivotal point for our day sometimes to have yeah. that downtime. Um, and so... I, there are certain rules that some people may have about quiet time. You can't have screens during quiet time, whatever. I don't care if it gives you 30 minutes, 45 minutes of peace, like Mm -hmm. let it be what it is. But, you know, I think having like special toys or like a box of quiet time activities that they can do independently that aren't going to make a big mess. You know, we're not talking markers and paint. Yeah. None of Play-Doh, none of those things. Obviously, no Even choking while I'm has- awake. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Uh-huh. No choking hazards, none of those things. Um, you know, having something special that's dedicated for them for that time, rotate them out every, you know, couple of weeks or something so they're still new until until they've really caught on to that quiet time concept. Um, you know, whether that's in the room, whether that's in the room next to you, however works for your family to implement this sort of time. But I find that it is so important for them to have some sort of time where they're just not go, go, go. Um, And then you've got the afternoons where maybe they really did still need that nap and it's been a few days and it's just kind of caught up to them. Uh, My go-tos are to like put them in the bathtub, give them bath paints, bath crayons, like that buys me time to get through the dinner bedtime rush and always putting them to bed early. (laughs) Mm -hmm. whenever I'm done I'm like you know what it's just bedtime thankfully you can't tell time yet so you're going to bed (laughs) I know my son's learning time I'm like are you sure are you sure you'd like to learn this and we maybe hold off a little longer he's pretty good at it but man it's rough my firstborn rule follower um we don't go to bed till eight o'clock and this clock Uh is 7 30 and I'm like that clock's wrong. It's not. Yeah. I forgot to change that one. I forgot. Sorry. Time yeah. changed. You missed it. Yeah. He's, um, he's the he's the kid who's like, uh, when I'm like fixing his toothbrush, he's like, is that a pea-sized amount of toothpaste? I'm like, child. Our son's going to be friends. Although it might blow up the entire world. That's too much. That is so funny. Um, okay. The other question I feel like I get all the time. So again, I, we have our issues going to sleep with my mm-hmm. son. 
really only he is, I am assuming he's just low sleep needs, but Mm -hmm. man, it is so rough trying to get him to go to sleep. I feel like we tried all the things, but all that to say, I do. I am very grateful. My kids like kind of sleep in quote unquote, mm-hmm. right. For kids, not like teenage sleep in, right. they sleep. Usually my daughter's up at seven 30. She's our earliest. Sometimes she'll sleep till eight, eight 30. Mm-hmm. My son will be between eight and nine, sometimes nine 15. Mm-hmm. He's up too late at night. So I know every time I tell people this, they roll their eyes. They're like, how do I get my kids to do that? So is there, how much control do you really have over how long they sleep for or sleeping in or shifting those windows of when they go to bed and when they wake up? Um, or do we kind of just follow their lead usually? I mean, it does, it does matter for when you're looking at total sleep, like how much sleep do they get and what windows do you want that to be in? So let's say he's a 10 hour night sleeper. If he's going to sleep at 10 o'clock, then it would make sense for him to wake up at eight in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you want bedtime to be earlier, you also start with morning wake up time. Um, And so do that. Yeah. So just, you know, a simple shift, maybe you wake him up 15 minutes earlier. He goes to bed 15 minutes earlier. You do that mm-hmm. for a few days um, because you're really resetting a circadian rhythm. And there, mm-hmm. there is some control over that. You don't control all of it, but light exposure, same thing for in the morning, exposing them to light and then not exposing them to light at night. Both of those things can help to control that part of circadian rhythm. And so anytime you're stuck in that cycle of either going to bed too early or going to bed too late, it's, it's a matter of shifting everything and not just one thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. My, and obviously right now we're in summer, right? So it's light yep. out here till like nine yep. 30. I'm like, mm-hmm. can the sun please go far, far away? Yeah. And you know, with, he's six now. So he know like he can open blinds and he mm-hmm. can do all the things he wants. I could staple it to his window and he'd still open it up. So there's, um, you know, there's that too, <laughs> which okay. some part of me is just, I told my husband, I was like, let's just lean into it. He's sleeping in the morning. It's summer. Let's enjoy our mornings with our daughter and just like move on. And we'll totally. try again in the fall. Yeah. And we were homeschooling. Totally. So it was like, what's the big deal now? Yeah. Hmm, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We have summer schedules. We, you know, yeah. um, when the time changed, whenever the springtime change happened, um, we were starting baseball. We had baseball practices later at night. And so we just, same thing, we just leaned into it. Um, and it worked for that season to get us through. And then now, you know, they're kind of naturally shifting themselves back to going to bed a little bit earlier, waking up a little earlier, which is fine. And so, you know, I, I'm a fan of letting them self-regulate whenever that happens. And so, again, same thing. I'm not as tired as I was in the evenings. And so Mm -hmm. I can only imagine they're feeling the same way. Okay. I want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's podcast episode, not only for sponsoring, but also for the work that they do. Today's episode is sponsored by Safe Beginnings First Aid and CPR course. Holly from Safe Beginnings believes that being able to confidently react in an emergency is the peace of mind that every family deserves. And I agree. I want you to feel empowered to keep your family safe by taking her online first aid and CPR course, just like I did. I have taken a lot of CPR trainings over the years, and Holly's is by far my favorite. It's clear, concise, easy to follow, and truly puts your mind at ease as a mom. No matter the age or stage of your little one, this course is a must take. A quote I once heard by Max Mayfield has always stuck with me, and I want to share it with you. 
He says preparation through education is less costly than learning through tragedy. And I don't want to be a downer, but this could not be more true when it comes to our kids. It's time to start feeling confident at the table. And I want you to get started today by clicking the link in the description box below and use my code Alyssa20 for 20% off. Trust me, this is a decision you will not regret. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I think, okay, the other thing too that I feel like is coming that I see on the internet, a little controversial possibly, but are contact naps and nursing to sleep. So obviously, I mean, in my opinion, I feel like it, everything needs to work for both mommy and baby, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, you're never going to agree hundred percent on everything. There's going to have to be some push and pull. One of my favorite quotes I've ever read is it's not about me first. It's about me too. So it's not Absolutely. about the kids coming first. And I'm last all the time, or I come first and the kids are last all the time. It's really a team effort. That's Absolutely. we call ourselves the Miller troop. All right. We are like <laughs> a freaking team in our house Love it. and everyone has a say and everyone <laughs> gets their needs met and their wants are considered all equally all the things. So I would assume that's kind of how I've always approached sleep is or like nursing and weaning like okay I'm done you're not done let's figure this out together whatever mm-hmm. that might be um but I always feel like I see things about contact napping and um it, what was the other one I said nursing I just, to nursing sleep. to sleep thank you yeah I knew it was in there somewhere <laughs> two pregnant ladies try to remember things <laughs> what a podcast episode <laughs> so when it comes to those things my biggest thing is I want I I want multiple ways to soothe my baby and to help them sleep. And so if I only do one thing all Mm -hmm. the time, that's all they know. Mm -hmm. And that may be fine. If that's how you want to live your life, like live it full full on, go for it. But, you know, as a mom with multiple kids who works from home, Mm -hmm. I'm not always going to be an option for that. And so I don't want to limit myself personally by only being able to do those things, but I can still do those things when I have the opportunity to do them. And so that's something that I talk to families a lot is about habit stacking, being able to do things multiple ways and not just one way, um, because the exposure to that is only going to be beneficial. Love that. Yeah. No, it doesn't alienate a partner mm-hmm. from helping you. Um, helping. I hate that, but I yeah. said it. Um, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't make dad feel useless, you know, right. and, and so, you know, same in our house, we're all hands on deck. That's what I always say for everything yeah. is all hands are on deck and we all live here. So we've all got to make an effort. And so same thing for my husband, whenever we have a new baby, whatever it is, like, we really learned with our first, um, I I had a really hard postpartum because I felt like I was always handing somebody a happy baby and being handed a crying baby to fix it. And I was like, I never get to enjoy my baby when they're happy because everybody else is. And I'm the one stuck just soothing him, which is, you know, a mom's superpower. That's fine. But I didn't, I didn't want that sole responsibility, you know? Um, And so whenever we had our our second child, that was one major thing that we kind of had a come to Jesus meeting about was like, look, I, you know, mm-hmm. if they're fed and I literally like just fed them and I hand them to you and they're crying, figure it out. Like yeah. you're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys will figure your stuff out and I will do it my way. You do it your way. And that's only going to help you and me and the baby. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I really, I actually remember back. That was one of the things didn't plan for postpartum very well. I'm mm-hmm. even still with two. So now on the third, I'm like, I'm gonna get this right. 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 Quote unquote. <laughs> but I remember with my son, um, when we had him her first, I told my husband, I said, listen, I'm going to be nursing this baby, God willing. And I know that that can make him feel like he can't provide as much for the baby and maybe not as, you know, connected or whatever, you know, if he's never even bottle feeding for several, Mm -hmm. several months, which is what we chose to do. Although I don't want to choose that again, but anyways, (laughs) that's a conversation for another day. Uh, My daughter refused a bottle because I waited so long. Anyways, Mm -hmm. back to my focus was I told him before I had this baby, I said, we need to figure out what's going to be your thing to soothe the baby, but also to connect with the baby and, you know, get to know each other. And I can just be gone, <laughs> whatever that might be. I'm reading a book. I'm going on a walk. I'm out to coffee with friends. And his was bath time. That's what mm-hmm. I read that online a lot. And it worked out so well for us. He still does majority of the baths in the year. I bet 90% out of the year, he does the bathing of the children and it's their time to play and connect. And I hate it anyways. It works out know, perfectly. Yes. <sighs> Get on those like squirmy pajamas that are always too tight and you can't get them on because the kids won't dry themselves completely. I'm out. That is not my deal. And he loves it. And it's such a great way for him to connect and soothe the babies. So it's been just such a game changer to think through that mm-hmm. of how, what's the primary way that you can help soothe the children, but also connect with them, right? And build yeah. that bond and get to know each other. So I love that. I think that's just such, again, those really, these answers that are, uh, they're not scandalous. They're not crazy. They're not hard lines or extremes, but they are the reality of life. And even like with the word helping, like I help, he helps, we all help, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is a team effort and finding ways that we can both um, let other people help be helped, but also contribute. Yes. Contribute. Exactly. So (laughs) I love that so much. I, I would love to hear from you. So obviously I know I'm like the dietitian, but I know nothing about sleep, but I know that people, and actually we're talking about this inside your membership tonight about how nutrition and sleep, uh, correlate. And so, but I'd love to hear from you. I'm sure you get this all the time of what about eating, right? Like how does that affect their sleep or what do you see when it comes to nursing a baby or feeding a baby? What are your kind of typical questions that you get or um, responses? You know, it's funny. I always say like better sleepers are better eaters and better mm-hmm. eaters are better sleepers, right? Like they yeah. go hand in hand. And so if you've got a Truly. kid who isn't eating well, they're not going to be sleeping well. And, yeah. you know, and so you, sometimes if you have a kid who's not sleeping well, they're not eating well, you know, it's just, there's that disconnect there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of people want to know like how getting full feedings impacts their sleep versus if they're, you know, comfort nursing to sleep all the time and do I have to follow eat, pay, eat, play, sleep. And mm-hmm. when their wait times are longer and they're going longer between feedings, does that mean they're going to take shorter naps and is my supply going to be affected? And so, you know, it really is a balance of all the, all the things, like how do you, um, how, how do you feed them when they're nice and alert, but then, you know, if you're nursing to sleep, like, is that going to impact their, their next feeding? So then they just continue to kind of get into a cycle of snacking or mm-hmm. what about reverse cycling where they're not eating very well during the day. So then you're up all night and mm-hmm. that's where they're getting all their calories. And so that can be a really big struggle. Um, I even see for working parents, um, you know, maybe their baby's not taking a bottle well during the day. They're with another caregiver yeah. and then they're waking up all night because, 
they're hungry. They're hungry. And then, yeah. and then it perpetuates that cycle, right? Cause then they got all their calories. They're not motivated to eat during the day. Yep. And so you have to, there's like a, a balance there, a very delicate balance of how do you start to slowly shift some of that back into the day? Um, I think that's probably one of the bigger struggles we see, especially as, um, babies' sleep patterns do mature and they do start waking up more often at night and you're feeding for every single wake up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next day they just don't eat well. Yeah. And then they wake up again, 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 again. You know, you're so, also so tired and you're like, yes. please go back to sleep. I know my boob this will is do the quick it. Way, yes. <laughs> yes. I've been there so many times, just lift up my shirt. I don't care. I'm giving them the milk, go back to sleep. Right. And yes. so it's just this, like, I can totally see that. And there's so much, I mean, there's so much to unpack with that. Right. But mm-hmm. I love also what I think draws me to you too, is this reflection of it's very similar to approaches that we take in nutrition with picky eating with sleep, right? It's all about the setup and the environment and it's controlling Mm -hmm. what we can control and letting the rest play out the way that it will and working together. Um, I, I just absolutely love that. I will sneak this in really quick, just in case any moms are just feeling overwhelmed with kind of what you said before taking away that anxiety. Everyone struggles with something, right? Mm -hmm. So I used to feel just like, am I the only one dealing with this issue or that Mm -hmm. issue or whatnot? And, but I also know some people are looking at me and breastfeeding came really easy to me Mm -hmm. again, not good one, but to them, it was this huge struggle, but I had this picky eater and to other people, they don't have a picky eater. And some people struggle with sleeping through the night and other people struggle with getting their kids to sleep at night or whatever. And so I just want to let all moms know that we all struggle with something. And the woman who you might be looking at, or the family you might be looking at may not struggle with something that's so in your face right? Mm -hmm. Like it may not be something you actually witness or see. So for example, my son, like I said, doesn't go to sleep at night. Well, that happens in our home very privately between the time of eight and 11 o'clock at night. No one sees those hours. You know, it's not, I'm not always sharing about it. I do sometimes, but you just don't see it. And so it may just not be public. So I just want to let every mom know that everyone struggles with something and it really is a season. I think, I mean, I think both of us can agree now that we have six-year-olds, which of course, probably moms of like teenagers are laughing at us right now, (laughs) but it it really is a season. You look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot he used to do that. Oh yeah, we did struggle with that. I, I don't even remember that, you know? And it's not that you won't remember it all the time, but it is a season and it will pass. But there are things, and this is when I teach about picky eating and I'm sure for sleep too, there are things that can help us maybe make that time pass a little faster, right? Or make us more supported during that time and during that season. Right. And I think it's hard because, you know, you're comparing yourself to somebody whose expertise is literally sleep. Yes. And so it doesn't mean that we didn't struggle or it doesn't, it's just that I, I have a, I have all this experience, but but not only just with my own kids, but now working with thousands of families, like I can draw on so much more and, and use those tools, you know, and, and and that's, and then I think that's somewhere people can kind of go wrong is that they want all of the knowledge, but they don't need all of that. They only need what will apply to Mm. their Mm -hmm. situation. And so they're over consuming information following tens of thousands of sleep consultants who are on Instagram Mm -hmm. and they're getting information overload and then they're, they can't take action because they're so overwhelmed by overconsumption of, of information and, and all the recommendations and who said you should do it this way. And, you know, we're all a little different. And so that's why it's like, find your flavor and stick with it as opposed to 
trying to follow a bunch of different flavors. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. Speaking of flavors, if they would like your flavor, <laughs> can you tell them where they can follow you and how they can work with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Heaven Sent Sleep. Um, you can work one-on-one with me. I have a team member who will be taking over, um, you know, some of my clients while I'm on maternity leave. So Heaven Sent Sleep will still keep going. Um, and you can... I have guides. I have a course. I have something for everybody. Whatever kind of support you want, it is there for you to find it and take advantage of it. Um, there is a discount for the course with the code nutrition. Um, and then there's also a code to work one-on-one with me um, with the same nutrition. I think it's, I think I did $25 off the course and... 15 percent off of one-on-one yes yeah i love that that was so generous of you thank you so much i will leave all that just in the description description notes but i appreciate that so that's all for you listeners if you'd like to work with her if you're struggling at all and here's the other thing that i will say that i've learned as a mom if you're struggling in an area you don't have to get help, Mm -hmm. like truly get help if you of course have the finances for it the time for it all those things but it changes everything because it consumes your brain. If you're struggling with sleep and then you're not getting sleep and they're not getting sleep. And again, it starts to like really start to tumble out of control. Mm -hmm. Same thing with picky eating speech, you know, all the things, if you're, if you're struggling with it, it's not that motherhood isn't going to have some struggles, but it can be way easier. And no one teaches this stuff. You guys, right? Like there's no no manual out there. It's not like, okay, here's all the tools at your disposal. And if you can, I mean, truly seeking support is one of my biggest I don't know, recommendations and also regrets of, Hey, I didn't have to suffer for two years through this. I could have gotten this help and we could have turned a really big corner quickly. So yes, I just made a little two cents on that. Everybody, everybody's looking for their village. I'm like, we're right here. Yes. We're here. We're here. You can find us. Um, you know, it's not the, it's not the traditional village that we might've had all those years ago, but back in the day, but you know, you you have the ability now to curate your own village and people that can support you in motherhood. So it's not something that you have to go out of alone. Oh, I love that. That's a great note to end on. Honestly, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much, Ashley, for being here, for bringing your expertise, for approaching this the way that you do. I know how hard it can be, especially on the internet to keep going, even when it's not the viral thing or the, you know, big polarizing topic, but it really is what actually helps moms realize that they are built for this and they can do it. And their kid is uniquely given to them um, to support through anything. So I'm just so excited to bring you to them. So, all right, you guys, well, you heard it here. You can go down below, you can work with her, you can follow her, all the things. And thank you so much for being on. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.